it, it's honestly good luck because we we never make it through an intro. <laughs> And now Andy will will say that he's Mr. Baby Diaper or something in the, in the introduction, and we'll have to do it again. Uh, you've just uh, given me ammo. Don't don't you fucking dare! I don't care that we have a guest. I'll just I'll just leave this this call. Welcome to Keyframes, a podcast about anime. I'm your host, Ben Halliburton. With me today is Andy. Hey, hey. And special guest, Van Pogham. What's cooking, what's popping? Awesome. Uh, this is our yeah. first ever, like, legit guest, as opposed mm-hmm. to, hey, it's someone from our old forum who uh, has opinions about Fooly Cooly. Not to say that you don't have opinions about Fooly Cooly, Van. We all do, yeah. Everyone has an opinion. <laughs> Andy, Andy reached out. Andy made the connection. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Andy, tell us about why this guy is so special. Uh, so about five years ago, um, I'm sure some of you uh, may or may not be aware that there was a YouTube algorithm glitch. A Maria Takeuchi's <laughs> Plastic Love uh, exploded onto the scene and everyone just started listening to it. Uh, and I think for the majority of, or for some of the people who were interested in that music and really liked the city pop styles that Maria Takeuchi was given. Um, there was existing playlists, uh, numerous existing playlists that were already up on YouTube. And one of those in particular, I feel the ones, at least for me, uh, really grabbed my attention uh, was Van Palgum, uh City Pop Mix. Um, at the time, when, when at the time there was about five or six and then a summer special, was that right, Van? Yeah, summer summer edition. It was uh, released on July fourth of I think twenty seventeen. Yes, nice, nice. nice. Uh, so yeah, the summer so... of days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And so then that for me is sort of cemented uh, my not only my love of um, city pop, but also my love of uh, Van Palgum, <laughs> this guy that is with us, uh, the the DJ uh, extraordinaire. He, there's been I think. Uh, I'm very. You've had like some pretty insane stuff. You've met Henri, haven't you? I believe you've met Henri. Yeah, I, I met her. Uh, she's a quite quite a lovely lady. How and how did that come about? <laughs> uh, well, well, first of all, I, I do want to say thank you so much for inviting me on the show. Um, you know, oh, it's, no. it's, it's we're honor. happy to have you. Um, yeah, I'm happy to be on here. And, uh, you guys are awesome. <laughs> I've been I've been listening to a couple of your past episodes, and uh, you know, I have to say it's a uh, oh, quite good banter, uh, and I always appreciate a good banter. <laughs> Um, so yeah, thank you again. Uh, and so, uh, Henry, you know, I, I was DJing at a, a sake bar in, uh, in, in downtown Chicago called Morisaki Sake Lounge. And, uh, one night I, um, I had all of my Henry vinyl with me because, uh, you know, I, I always play her music when I go out and this, uh, mm-hmm. this other DJ, this older Japanese DJ was there and, um, he uh, heard me playing the Anri record, and he comes running up to me, you know, and he's like, you like Anri? I'm like, yeah, Anri's really good, yeah, good, good music. So he's like, I know Anri. I'm like, you know the Anri, like in person. Like, like yeah, she's a <laughs> friend of mine. Apparently he owned, like, a nightclub in, uh, in Tokyo, and, like, he's good friends with her, and, like, he calls her up the next day, and then he calls up the consulate, the Japanese consulate, because he's that kind of guy. He just knows the consulate. <laughs> and, um, and before you know it, she's, like, booked for the Japanese New Year. Uh, so they fly her out with her, like, band and everything. And uh, 
and yeah, they bring me, they usher me backstage afterward, and you know, me, clumsy, uh, clumsy person that I am, I drop uh, her brother's business card, and it just all went downhill from there. But she was lovely. <laughs> she was super nice. Yeah, so. That's oh, business happened. card etiquette is terrifying. I don't know if I could ever handle that. It's, it's intense, <laughs> man. Like it's intense. Both, hand, both hands, yeah. Yeah. And then yes. if, you're not, if you're not bowing far enough, that's it. You're dead exactly. to them. Right. Can't be 90 degree, 180 degree. <laughs> Just do the total, like, on your hands and knees, head on the floor. Right. Yeah, have, have your neck nice and visible so they can slice. Just slap yeah. it. <laughs> slap it with the business card you dropped. you like, how... Fucking exactly. day. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, Van's here. Van's here to talk about old anime and old music with us. Uh, <laughs> and for that reason, we have Andy on, who's never watched an anime from before the year two thousand. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Uh, as we've just established before, <laughs> um, Spirited Away. No way. <laughs> no. Oh, so what year was that? Mm, no, no thanks. I I only watched <laughs> I only watched One Piece past episode two hundred because that's the two thousand. <laughs> Makes it pretty hard to know what's going on, but uh, you can piece it together. He's got stretchy arms and shit. <laughs> there's a deer with a hat. There's there's the one girl. Yeah, I know One Piece. Yeah. <laughs> you sailed away all the way all the way to One Piece, right? That's that's what I heard. Yeah. <laughs> I I think I'm most on this podcast known for old stuff. I think I have a fairly like big omnivore. I tend to watch watch stuff in the late nineties, early two thousands. But it's kind of a pleasure going back to older stuff when you go to the older hand painted stuff where there's a lot less of a production committee feel to things where it's not mm. that they contracted this piece of music from this famous author and they got this famous voice actress yeah. um and this director i kind of like the jank like i was just thinking about like bubblegum crisis <laughs> i love that one i love it too like one of them's just like kind of a punk rock pop star one of them's a businesswoman it's just weird right. this weird janky aspirational stuff and then bubblegum crisis got got canceled and then they just made bubblegum crash Mm -hmm. the same show with a different title mm -hmm. and then got canceled again because that's illegal yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah there's just just like the weirdness the rough edges um the occasionally great sakuga all that stuff yeah i mean i like the comparison to like blade runner and you know uh mm -hmm. bubblegum crisis mm -hmm. was at that forefront of like cyberpunk anime uh you know in the late 80s and you know the uh, economy in, in japan at the time was like booming and you know technology and all that stuff they were really leading the charge on that and it, it reflects in their anime uh you know especially bubblegum crisis because uh you know they took uh, so many influences from uh like western cyberpunk stuff like blade runner and uh, especially yeah. Blade runner and terminator and all that and all that like they retired the boomers and boomers was a thing Back then for yeah. them, and that's, that's, it's just funny listening to like episodes now and seeing them refer to boomers. I'm like, yeah, you gotta go kill that boomer. I have I'm to like... explain it every time I, I talk about the plot. <laughs> there are these rogue robots called boomers, and they're, they're like, boomers, what? Yeah. When, was, when was this made? And I'm like, 87? In the 80s. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, boomers. There's your episode title. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's called Bubblegum Crisis because he wanted it to, like, it was about the fact that he felt there was a bubble economy. So it's like literally blowing a bubble gum and, and there's a crisis, which is how you name anime back in, back in the eighties. Right. I, I like that naming more than what we've got now, which is let's just name our <laughs> anime exactly what you're going to get. 
Uh, <laughs> right. Monogatari. Sorry. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> I can't believe that I have to use my cyberpunk suit to fight rogue robots <laughs> with my friends. Yeah. Ex. I can't believe my <laughs> boyfriend is a cop and I'm secretly a thief. <laughs> yeah. Which is what I've been watching. I've been catching up on a bit of Cat's Eye because to Ooh, me that is like the really? ultimate city pop. Like, and it's it's such a like classic anime concept where you've got an <laughs> outfit of thieves who are doing secretly good stuff because actually they're 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 trying to reclaim the his, their treasures mm-hmm. that have been stolen from their dad. Meanwhile, right. one of them is going out with the uh, the detective. The detective, yeah, who's who's tasked with capturing Cat's Eye and they've only marry her when they've caught Cat's Eye, and and that I believe is <laughs> oh, the first man. fifteen minutes of the first episode. And you're that, just is a, like, that is a premise. Uh, it makes me. I, I mean, I love the animation style, and you know, it, it's it's a very pretty anime because I love that old style, like you were mentioning. Mm-hmm. But you know, some of the episodes they make me mad because you know uh, they have a cafe. The you know the the, the three sisters. The cafe is called Cat's Eye. And the detective is trying to catch <laughs> a, thief, a thief group called Cat's Eye, and he he's not putting it together that you know they are Cat's Eye. Uh. The cafe is called Cat's Eye. Like I just and, and and he even goes he even goes like you know you should name the change the name for this cafe because uh, people might start thinking that they're related. <laughs> like, really. <laughs> Uh, I also I, just love like the the like defensiveness of public morals, like the fact that the thieves can't be bad people; they have right. to be justified. This whole like you know, no one can do anything mm-hmm. too wrong, no one can do anything too antisocial. Like it's about it's they're making society mm-hmm. better by robbing robbing these these yeah. items and don't ask exactly. too many questions because. Really and you know, Anri did uh, the uh, I think An- yeah, Anri did the cat's eye theme. Uh, I'm not sure if you knew that. Yeah, the, oh, really? the, 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 the cat's eye uh, anime yeah. theme. Uh, she 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 did it herself, um, and it's pretty good. But that's I was gonna I was gonna ask about that because obviously I think the timely album has the most slapping mm. version of cat's oh, yeah. eyes, uh, which I've heard like that. Like as soon as that slap oh, bass yeah. comes in, I'm I'm just like <laughs> I'm just there. I can't stop. That's so different from what the original anime mm. like. It's so muted. It doesn't have any of that funk. It doesn't have any of that right. pop. It's just like a really sort of, it's a lot mellower. And even I think a bit slower as well. I feel the time signatures even mm. changed on the remake, which is the one that yeah. I know. But so is it still on me who does the OG one? It w- I would believe so. I just, mm. <laughs> I'm always curious. Mm-hmm. Mm. This is Cat's Eye New Take. That's, that's what's on the album. It looks like it. It looks like uh, the original Cat's Eye was its thirteenth single recorded by Henri, used as the first opening theme for the original mm-hmm. anime series Cat's Eye. Mm-hmm. So yeah, right. Yep. Uh, okay. And then you just she just redid. So, yeah, it. she's been there oh, the whole wow. time. Been there the whole. F- yeah. She performed it. Uh, she performed cool. it when she was uh, when I saw her live here in uh, in Schaumburg. Uh, mm-hmm. She played that song, um, and uh, you know all the children started running up to the stage. It was like a moment. It was, it was the kids know the cat's eye theme that's pretty cool yeah, i guess i guess uh you know it was i mean they didn't come up by themselves but like the parents were all oh, okay. like rushing it was like um it was like uh like a party line where out, the, the parents were holding the children's and they were all running towards the stage and then they were like uh, split at the end and it, i was like is this a normal thing at these uh these events i was a little bit confused but i was having a great time <laughs> 
I mean, that does sound like a very unique experience. Yeah. Yeah, unique is yeah. putting it lightly for sure. <laughs> it is interesting going back to the whole like cat's eye and not figuring it out. It does remind me of how like really obvious mistaken identity, kind of like the Lois Clark, Lo- Lois and Clark and Superman sort of thing. Because in uh, in uh, Sailor Moon, like it's immediately obvious the tuxedo mask is that is that guy that. <laughs> That Yusaka mm. keeps running into, who's just like a huge dick to her for no reason all the time. Right. Um, and it takes him the entire first season <laughs> to figure out that like, oh, no, he's well, he's also like passes into a fugue state whenever he becomes Tuxedo Mask because they're the reborn royalty from the moon. Right. Because it's Sailor <laughs> that I need to watch more Sailor Moon. I didn't realize that actually happened. I, I kind of watched it as a joke to myself, which is something mm. I keep doing with anime. Mm. Um, but then I actually got I got really into it. Um, I mean, no, yeah. I, I do that all the time. Like I was just talking last episode about how I watched all-purpose cultural cat girl Nuku Nuku <laughs> as a joke because of the title. Speaking of <laughs> hilariously long titles. And it's really good. It's about a boy who's like inventor dad puts his dead cat, his son's dead cat brain in a high school girl robot body and she's just basically that. a cat that she's just basically a cat that can talk down is shaped like a person it's pretty funny um is... speaking again of freewheeling ideas <laughs> yeah man the other good ones i think for city pop especially in not your vids band it was like uh, city hunter mm-hmm. i never oh, actually yeah. seen that i'm a bad person because <laughs> i don't watch any anime that's not like you know <laughs> made currently yep 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 Uh, i mean john was a big city hunter fan wasn't he um yeah so best in peace john yeah he's not dead he just doesn't come on (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say like oh man no 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 no, he's just shyer than me and has gotten busy and so we miss him Uh, yeah what tracks uh when you play because you do DJ, uh, is it like a residential night every night, or is it? Yeah, it was. It, it was a monthly, a monthly night. Um, every third Saturday of the month, I, I I do that, and I think we're gonna resume that. Yesterday was um, our kind of like grand reopening because uh, Chicago officially reopened on Friday, and like the mayor was out, she cut a ribbon, and it was like mm-hmm. a huge uh, like theater event. Um, so Saturday uh, last night, uh, we had the. Uh, the reopening of city pop nine it re- it went really well you know everyone is just ready to go out and drink basically yeah done done enough drinking indoors so now it's time right to- <laughs> let's drink outdoors now. <laughs> <laughs> but what was what was the uh what was the songs that you normally play that really gets like everybody pumping like what's the the really good ones? oh i mean classic love is yes <laughs> they ask me multiple times to play that it's like see anthem it's a classic. It's definitely the anthem. It gets all the girls like squealing, and as soon as it comes on, that uh, you know that first, uh, you know, uh, that first one, um, people start getting up and you know moving around awkwardly and uh-huh. attempting to dance, and uh, you know, and I, I, I feel that because you know I'm kind of awkward when I dance too. So I appreciate the uh, the crowd that comes in, especially there. It's a half anime kind of crowd and a half kind of like. Mm vinyl enthusiast kind of and then you have just random japanese people coming in it's a really interesting uh mix of of people yeah that comes to these events but a uh, plastic love um mickey matsubara stay with me is another one oh, um right. and anything tatsuro yamashita uh mm-hmm. those are all safe and i usually just have those on rotation um just so i don't have to think very much because you know i can only do one thing at a time and i'm either drinking or djing <laughs> uh, so, when i heard yeah. you coming on i was trying to remember like 
what artists I like, and I could only really come up with I like Kyoko Koizumi as a kind of like city pop adjacent mm. pop star. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, um, the, one of the nice things about about your mixes and about just like the city pop movement in general is it's just there's this huge back catalog that people keep throwing up, um, uh, like with the algorithm or people who are curating more specific mixes. Um, and it's always mm. nice because a lot of this stuff like slaps hard and it is a kind of like subgenre that you don't encounter in the wild unless you're on the internet a lot, at least until a few years ago, it feels like. Um, so it's mm. always a pleasure to, right. Just to have names dropped. Like I'm going to listen to more Henri stuff after this already. So <laughs> <laughs> have you heard of like, my yeah. favorite weird, weird one to come off is the mystery Kindaichi band. Have you heard of that one? No. <laughs> hmm. can't say i have it's it's a, a city pop album that was made for a classical story and the the front cover is like a scared vampire holding a golden flute oh. um, <laughs> wow. it's a weird cover uh and uh the uh yeah like they that album is strange it goes weird places but it's, when it goes to hit city pop it's like it fucking slaps yeah <laughs> uh the other one that I was looking up was uh, the mystery, uh, the sadistic Mika band. Is that what? I can, yeah, that's the name. Whoa. I think it's called that. Have you ever them? No, no. there's so many. Uh, they, you know, once to discover is crazy. Yeah, it's it. It goes. The, the wormhole is deep. Oh wow, that's a that's a look. So I'm just looking at the at the, at the group. They're like promotional photo. Uh, of what the sadistic Mika band? Yes. Like ha- half of them are wearing Chinese style dresses and the dad and the, like, I guess one of the older men, maybe the dad or something, or just the, the leader is dressed like kind of like a boncho. I don't know. It's very hard to explain. Interesting. <laughs> Putting out some very, some very weird energy. It's, it's a very strange band. <laughs> I, I think I, I, I ran across them cause there's an old clip of a British like, Top of the Pops esque thing where they're on it, and I'm just like, what are these cats doing on in England, <laughs> <laughs> playing this song? And they're just like full on in Japanese or just not talking, and you're just like, what? How? How has that happened? <laughs> uh, oh wow, yeah, I see what you mean. That was strange. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, very, very, a... very softly put. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I think a lot of people have found um, have found City Pop for you, Van. But how did you discover City Pop? Oh, uh, you know, I, I was really into vaporwave and future funk uh, before beforehand, and you know, uh, I'd always loved experimental styles of music, and even before then, I was like into chill wave and mm. um, washed out and neon Indian and people like that. So. Uh, that kind of uh, musical kind of production style was already kind of like uh, it for me. I loved it. So when Vaporwave came around, it was kind of like a natural progression. And uh, and then Future Funk kind of evolved from that. And then that's when they started taking a lot of city pop and kind of uh, speeding it up or slowing it down, what have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, throwing on some side tracking uh, side, uh, and um, just kind of um, making it more contemporary uh, for like, uh, I guess, younger audiences and 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 stuff like that so uh i was trying to dj that in that style but i wasn't getting anywhere like people didn't really care what i was doing uh it didn't matter how good my mixes were i think i have like one vaporwave mix still on youtube somewhere that people uh reference sometimes but 
for the most part, I was largely ignored. And then I started uh, mixing city pop and then suddenly people, you know, cared. And I'm like, oh, great. Um, so uh, the music was, you know, obviously it's, it's great music. It's just good music mm. in general. So yeah. it was easy for me to just kind of jump in that. And I loved anime and I loved Japanese culture and 70s and 80s music. So it's just kind of like an organic progression to this kind of style of music for me. And that's kind of where I've... Uh, had success in that it's just something that feels fluid for me like it just feels natural for me to play the music uh and so i, I guess people pick up on that and um that's kind of why i've uh been getting gigs around chicago in the past and things like that yeah cool uh, that's so cool uh you said you've you've been into anime uh how did you get into anime were you part of like the shonen pipeline like a lot of us were <laughs> Did a friend turn you on to a specific series? Did you find it yourself while just being on the internet a lot? I mean, my first anime experiences were with Dragon Ball Z. Okay. Uh, <laughs> in, like, elementary school, you know, I think a lot of people in the, in the West, Dragon Ball Z really resonates with them in their childhood. Uh, so it started there for me. And, you know, um, uh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm sure, you know, Cartoon Network used to have, well, I think they still have Toonami. Late at night, mm -hmm. um, but Cowboy Bebop was like uh, the show back in yeah. the day, like uh, like late at night on Toonami, and so that was like the uh, you know like my catalyst to really start getting getting into uh, anime and um, you know uh, the 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 end theme for Cowboy Bebop is by Maya Mane, and she uh, she has a cool city pop album too, and um, really. I, I love the real I love the real folk blues, but yeah, I didn't know she had a city pop career before that. Yeah, yeah, you should definitely take check out Tasogare. That's her like nineteen seventy nine album. It's it's immaculate. I, I can't <laughs> say enough good things about it. Awesome. But um, but yeah, so Ghost in the Shell also was uh, was a huge thing for me. Like I I got so into that show. You know, I wanted to you know be. Uh, this, uh, you know, genderless robotic uh, thing with a cyber brain. Like, I, I lived and breathed that show for song, and especially because Yoko Kano, I'm, I'm sure you guys know. Yeah. Uh, she's an amazing, amazing composer, and uh, she does so many anime OSTs, and she did the one for Cowboy Bebop, uh, or one or two for, for Cowboy Bebop, and then also a couple for Ghost in the Shell. And so all this kind of built the foundation for how I, you know, developed this... Uh, thing for city pop in the, in the in the years to come yeah yoko kano is a is a chameleon it's unbelievable to like all the stuff that she's done that you wouldn't think like i i she was the composer for escaflone she was the composer for mm. for jinro turn a gundam yeah she's she's a, amazing all the mm -hmm. stuff she's done and how how well she's able to 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 shift into different styles because like turn a gundam has like a very traditional like full orchestra like mm -hmm. mid-century movie soundtrack and then for cowboy bebop she just she wrote like seven albums worth of jazz awesome yeah. good good for her i guess um also don't forget terror mm -hmm. and resonance yeah. the like oh the weird the bad anime or but kids on the, the slope I can, I can i can name yoko kano anime too. <laughs> no but you were talking about surprising <laughs> ones and then i was like looking up when when you mentioned it man to me uh, the other week and i was just like what she did Terror in Resonance. The anime was bad, but the music was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was like weird sort of, again. Well, when, when the anime is bad, you just tune out and you start like listening, like <laughs> looking at the back, see if the background artist is talented, listen to the music, see yep. if the music's good. Yeah. Yeah, so many other things to take in. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, definitely, uh, definitely liked, um, I forgot 
that one that you mentioned. Kids on the Slope. I love Kids on the Slope. I don't know why you're being with kids. Yeah, on the I need to. I need to. I need to watch Kids on the Slope. I. I just have such a long list, and it's always <laughs> shifting up and down. So. Yeah. I made a spreadsheet, and now I just don't look at it because it depresses me. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I feel you. I, I also, um, I think I've said in this podcast before, like, I started out just, like, catching episodes of Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, after I came home from school, like, in the sixth grade. Uh-huh. Um, and Yu-Gi-Oh! is not good, especially not the four kids at it where, like, there's the Shadow Realm and, like, no one actually dies. Uh, which, yeah. it was fun to grow up and find out that, like, there's a huge body count in Yu-Gi-Oh! That they just never talk about in the, <laughs> in the American dub. <laughs> Uh, but no, I think, but I, I ultimately got really deep into anime. Um, I started in late high school because there was a girl who's really into Trigun. And so I watched Trigun so I could cosplay Wolfwood so we could get together. And we did, and we did not because that was a bad idea. Uh, and then in college, I got really into Ghost in the Shell, the same as you, like really liked the the philosophy, really liked the, really liked the, just the way that it f- it feels authentically like our world while appreciably different, which I think is part of the appeal mm-hmm. of city pop come to think of it is it feels like a, a shared past version of our future. It's got this like future funk thing. Like you, like yeah. you said, um, mm-hmm. but like ghost in the shell with like following a police unit that's dealing with like cyber brain crimes. That sounds dumb as fuck, <laughs> but actually the way that it executes it in ghost in the shell is, it's really mm-hmm. good. <laughs> Sorry. No, uh, on a, uh, a different note, uh, Van, did you ever get uh, what's the uh, is it Hot Numbers the three thousand dollar vinyl that is currently on Discogs? What is that? Uh, three thousand dollar vinyl. Yeah, I uh, I can't remember which one it is. It's uh, I think it might be Junko Hashi's Junko Hashi. Yeah, magical. That's it, magical. Yeah. Did you have you got that? Oh, oh no. Uh, I wish I wish I would have gotten it five years ago when it was like two hundred. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now, I mean, I wrote an article about it because it was such a crazy uh, thing for me. So I'm like, uh, I wrote a, a, like an, an article called Junko Hashi and a Magical $500 Record. Yeah. Because on uh, Discogs, it was going for 500 at the time, in which I thought it was just absurd. Because, uh, you know, and I was trying to like, you know, find out what what's the reasoning for this. And I know vinyl, people who are really enthusiastic about vinyl, um, you know, they will pay these prices. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the the exclusivity of it, the uh, just the ownership and knowing that you own something that's so that other people want so much. Um, yeah, but yeah, at the yeah. time it was five hundred. Now it's like I haven't even checked the price lately, but uh, I'm sure it's like over a thousand. It, I I think it was three thousand once, but I I could that be wrong. That is crazy. The the most I spent on a vinyl. Uh, are you aware of the Australian uh, alt rock band uh, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard? <laughs> you know, how could you forget the name? Yeah. I, I fucking love that band. I spent <laughs> I spent two hundred and fifty quid on getting um, a version. Shit. A version. It gets worse, fan. Believe me. I got a version. It's called the Hell Edition <laughs> of Infest of Infest the Rat's Nest, um, which is a blood red vinyl, mm. and they redid the um, artwork. Do you know? You know the album, or do you not? <laughs> I, I I don't know that one. <laughs> okay. Well, the 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 the, the original. A vinyl picture is like this golden like rat skull made to look like um made to look like a, a like a temple or like a, a worship object on like a red velvet plinth um and the mm. original like and the idea well 
It was 3D printed and posted by this guy called Jason Galea. Anyway, he redid the artwork for that, so made it black. And for me, it looked so fucking awesome. Then with that blood red vinyl, mm-hmm. it looked fucking sexy. And there's only like 500 mm-hmm. of these vinyls in print. So I asked this guy, he was like, yeah, I'll send it over 250 quid plus special postaging. And then all this mm-hmm. shit came. And the motherfucker, he didn't take the vinyl out of the sleeve. So when it came, oh, I had massive seams, oh. teams, seams tears. And I was like, Fuck. yeah, oh. I, I was fucking livid. I was like, you, what? So I'm going through this massive process with him and trying to get my money back. And it's a pain. <laughs> the one thing that's... Good luck. <laughs> yeah, it feels that way. You just got to stop talking. Um, but if you want to listen to some great, great music, uh, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, man, I can't recommend them enough. <laughs> I mean, I love alliteration, so that name itself is pretty cool. <laughs> uh, you know, Infest the Rat's Nest, you know, I, I love shit like that. Yeah, uh, their latest album, yeah. which came out <laughs> yesterday, which was um, mm. their third album in eight months, um, is called Butterfly 3000. Mm. And unlike mm. Infest the Rat's Nest, which is doom slash death metal, or stuff like Fishing mm. for Fishies, which is bluegrass, um or their most popular one, Nonagon Infinity, which is like just classic, like psych rock. Um, the mm-hmm. the this one is like synth pop, dream wave, like re- really? yeah, microtonal on top of polygonal. Like let's just completely change mm-hmm. the genre, why don't we? And then the the fucking album mm-hmm. art is an austereogram with exactly three thousand butterflies on. Where if you you know cross your eyes and you look at wow. it, it tells you something new. <laughs> man. This bad. I fucking love them <laughs> so much. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, that that I gotta hear this album because I, I all those genres you just mentioned I like. You know, I got Dreamwave and Synthwave and you know all the waves. Um, my my fa- so yeah, I'm never gonna check <laughs> you, you should. It's really good. Uh, my favorite stuff. Mm-hmm. I love like. What's your feeling like future punk? Because I love so much future punk that's out there. Especially Mikazuki Big Wave, I think she's for me. Oh she's yeah, like a massive front runner of of that music. Yeah, I think it's a dude. Um, I think I follow him on, on Twitter because I saw. Because I swear I saw on her in on her. In, I, well, I was saying her because I swear I saw an Insta of her DJing, and it was a girl, and really? with like blonde hair, and it was in Japan, and they were doing the. Da, 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 and everyone was doing that and I was like this is so anime cringe from like the early 90s <laughs> like, why are you playing this wow. uh, but, I mean Young Bay's a guy like Young Bay is like obviously but I, I know that's what I always thought I could be wrong no he is a youngish looking person um, I, I, I'm not sure how old he is he could be old he could be young He's, he has one of those faces that you know you're not sure um, <laughs> but, uh uh, but you know he makes good music. Yeah, Mikazuki Big Waves. Like some of my favorite vinyls that I have is is uh, uh, Sentimental. Uh, that one, that one's really mm. fucking good. That is like top top tier uh, future funk in my opinion mm-hmm. and romantic. And oh, yeah. that, uh, his or her new one, Metropolis.exe. That's pretty fucking good. Ooh. Yeah, the cover art for that is amazing. Oh, isn't it? It's so fucking good. I don't know whether he or I don't know whether mm-hmm. he does all the cover art himself, but um, yeah, I just like the sentiment. I, I doubt it. 
<laughs> you like listen it's to good. it's too good uh, but no the sentimental art it's that's apparently the picture mm. from his balcony in yokohama really yeah and he just added that's that nice <laughs> I, I i wanted to go to yokohama i wasn't i was in tokyo a few times i've never been to yokohama uh but i you know it's like the port like the beach the beach kind of town i guess like it's fine. Yeah. My wife's um, sister got married there. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, it's... Um, but yeah, uh, anyway, so yeah, Yokohama's fun. Um, but it's very much sort of like... There's only like two or three things to do, but it's got like a really big uh, festival scene. From mm. I, Every time I've gone, there's always been some sort of festival with numerous DJs. And then I'm like, can we get in? And they're like, no, you should have booked months ago, you fucking scrub. And it's just like, okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Yokohama's cool. Um, where else did you go in Tokyo? Mm. Uh, well, I, I always just go to just Tokyo. Um, last time I was in Shinjuku for the majority of the time. Um, I, I love Shinjuku, even though it's a little bit seedy, yeah. a little bit shady at times. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like the uh, the aesthetics, or it's, it's the most cyberpunk aesthetic uh, part of Tokyo, yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, much more so than Shibuya and other parts, because um, it just has that like Blade Runner vibe. Um, yeah, and you know all the, like the 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 host the host cafes with the uh, you know people outside trying to wrangle you in and. Uh, it's there's a little bit of excitement in there, like a little thrill, even though you know you're perfectly safe. But you know, it's it's probably the uh, most, um, I guess, uh, adrenaline kind of area for me. I don't know. There's just something about it that I, I I find. But Japanese people, when I tell them I'm staying in Shinjuku, they're like, "Why are you staying there? That's a dark city." I'm like, "Dark city? I'm like, yeah, Shinjuku." I'm like, oh shit! What do I what do I not know? Here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like occasionally you just see a, a person like on the street. With like a fucking tux, like on a phone smoking a cigarette, and you're like, like, oh shit, am I, am I gonna run into some yakuza guys? Gonna be like, and you're just like, yeah, pop up out of a manhole, yeah, fucking got a badge of a jumping out everywhere, um, yeah, that's cool, sex trafficked or something, yeah, like. Oh, <laughs> no, no, I mean, end up in a maid cafe as yeah, a maid. Yeah, that's true. You know, like, we we yeah. all are very handsome, so yeah, it's possible. It, I mean, if you've played, <laughs> if you've played uh, any of the Yakuza games, that's definitely in... Mm, mm. Yeah. Have you played yeah. them? Uh, I played, uh, what was the new one? Uh, it was like, oh, uh, Yakuza Zero? Or like a dragon? It was a while ago. It was like the... They remade a Zero one, yeah. That's the one, yeah. Because they're a million hours long, <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah. 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 You, you, Yakuza um, Zero is yeah. uh, fucking great. And that's actually set in the 80s, and it's got the best dancing and sort of, like, mm-hmm. disco stuff. Um, but Yakuza... <laughs> yeah, the disco scene. Yeah, which is the best. Like, you can't beat Yakuza Zero. It's definitely the best one, hands down. But mm-hmm. uh, the latest yeah. one, Yakuza 7, has exactly that story of um, a person's in a soap land for exactly like for extortion and bribery it's crazy it's a fucking great mm. fucking fucking great uh anime yeah that man anime video game fucking <laughs> anime they made a live action of it Part- participatory oh. anime oh no yeah uh, like yeah takashi takashi Miike uh did did it he did a, a yakuza adaptation right i mm. like Miike. i i think yeah. i've seen like 
Yeah, 2007. I think I've seen like three of his works, and that wasn't one of them. Mm. Isn't he done like a hundred? Am I thinking of someone else? Yeah, oh, he's he's like, speaking of people who are chameleons and prolific. Mm. Yeah, I, I uh, saw him, the first thing I saw him was him doing the 13 Assassins right. uh, yeah. remake, which apparently they filmed in like four weeks or something. Just like absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> Mm. Um, but yeah, he's done a, a million things. He did. He was part of the like the pink scene back when they were doing kind of like softcore movies, trying to push the censors, mm. um, which is which is a hell of a thing to do in Japan. I feel like just from what I from what I pick up of the culture, mm-hmm. uh, trying to piss off the censors to 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 bring to light injustice. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, but he was the Ichi the Killer. Ichi the Killer is what he was really what was really yeah. known for. I always yeah. find it hilarious in Japan how. Uh, you know, you look at all their media and it's all about individualism, all about standing out, all about fighting against a cause you believe in. Like fucking Persona 5, like, oh, I'm fucking like Phantom Steam, I'm going to steal your soul. And then everyone in Japan's just really meek and moot and just like, mm, mm, yeah, mm, 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 I've got to be part of the machine. I've got to be part of the, you know, I can't step out. So it feels to me like their cult, their aunt, like all of their media is such escapism because they, it's like they want to do this, but they they can't because if they do they're going to upset something and that's someone <laughs> and that's the, the worst thing you can fucking do <laughs> right 100 percent. yeah that. i mean it's 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 in a safe space just like me talking about like watching people be stupid and be humiliated for being stupid is a safer space in anime than it is in than oh, it is in real sure. life i mean they have <laughs> there's like a phrase that they use a lot the um, the hammer, the, no, the nail that sticks out uh, gets hammered. So that just shows you how you know how serious they take uh, you know be being like part of the group and uh, in like anti individualism almost. Um. You know what, Van? If you ah, oh, there's two for six hundred pounds right now for Junko or Hashi's magical, but <laughs> oh, it's gone down. Uh, it's gone, it's down. gone down. But the, oh wow, the, it's gone down. The second thing that comes up is your is your blog. You're really like. <laughs> Good thing about uh, Junko Hashi's yeah. magical five hundred dollar record. Um, mm. Also, I forgot to ask, what is like your favorite? Like, what is your favorite vinyl that you got on you right now? My favorite vinyl is my Tomoko Aran Fuyu Kukan. It's oh. called Fuyu Kukan. Yeah, it's that iconic blue, like that navy blue, and she's wearing like this pink, uh, like outfit or like a hot pink blazer or something, and like the typewriter is pink and Type, and then like glasses. It's a whole mood. It's yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. It's it's like that one. That one. Yeah, yeah that yeah, thing. Yeah. Oh, I love I love looking at it. Um, and uh, <laughs> the reason why it's my favorite, uh, and then well, obviously the aesthetics are just amazing, and that's another reason why I like it. The music is is also iconic. You know, Midnight Pretenders mm-hmm. is on there, and um, that's one of my favorite city pop songs of all time. Um, when I had my radio stream, and I was like, um, you know, broadcasting city pop twenty four seven. Uh, with the video of like the night drive through like Tokyo highways, uh, some people uh, did a little fundraiser for my birthday, and uh, they raised yeah. four hundred and fifty dollars to buy that record for me. Uh, and oh, so wow. they bought it for me. Uh, and then two weeks later or two months later, sometime HMB re-releases it. So I'm like, it dropped the value <laughs> to like a hundred dollars. I'm like, what the? F-? <laughs> I was salty. I was like, well, you know, I still have the original, so that mm-hmm. still means a lot to me. Yeah. Uh, because it is the original. It has an OB strip. It's, it's you know, it's, it's immaculate. Mm-hmm. I have it there. 
Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's my favorite one. But I'm still really salty that they they released that they re-released that one, but they haven't released re-released Magical. I think they did like a, a single for Magical. Um, mm-hmm. I saw they done like a CD a, re-release at least, but not hmm. a but yeah. not a not a fucking um, a vinyl re-release. But anyway, carry on. Right. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. Uh. So yeah, um, the, the re-release treatment for a lot of these vinyl records, uh, they, they're doing the wrong ones sometimes. I'm like, well, I really wish you would do Magical so I could get it already. Uh, and then, you know, whoever bought Magical at 1000 would feel salty. But um, <laughs> Pass, pay it forward, basically. Yeah. Right. Uh, so yeah, I, I want Magical. <laughs> I want that record so bad. And even in that article, I, that was the first line of the article. I'm just like, I want this record. <laughs> I don't have it. And maybe that's what kind of uh, in- incentivize other people to buy it. Like, ah, I have it and you don't know. <laughs> so, well, these people go on Reddit and post that they have it. And they're like, oh, yeah, I have it. And they're like rubbing it on their face. And it's like <laughs> a little bit fetish- <laughs> fetishistic. This one is... What- I mean, I think it's more, it's, it's more that other people don't mm. have it is, I think, the important distinction for a lot of these people, especially on, <laughs> yeah, uh, right. yeah, especially on Reddit or oh, something. Oh, God, yes, Reddit, cesspool of just like, I have this, you don't, haha. <laughs> I, I participate in, like, it's like spirit subreddits, and it's so funny when they have, like, I have a super rare bottling, and they just drink it and say it's not very really good. It's like, <laughs> how is that, how, how is that stunting on anybody? It makes you seem like an idiot. <laughs> right. <laughs> Cool. Well, how about we cut it there and we will talk about some more specific anime that we've been watching lately after the break. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Awesome. back for the second half we will be talking about me watching tatami galaxy andy being my hype man for having for me having finally watched tatami galaxy (laughs) and van van might talk a little bit about ergo proxy which y'all know is a maybe not a favorite of mine but definitely a very interesting artifact of the late 2000s and just good cyberpunk you're also forgetting that i'm going to be talking about a little anime that i don't think anyone's heard of quite underground a Demon Slayer Mugen Train. <laughs> yes, I forgot. I already already erased from my brain that, that we're going to be pandering to the masses. Both of both of us brought artsy anime uh, to, the, to this to this podcast, Andy, and you have a basic bitch denominator anime. <laughs> okay, so Tatami Galaxy uh, is a TV series based on a 2004 Japanese novel written by Tomohiko Morimi uh, about a guy who goes to an unnamed Kyoto University thinking about how he's wasted the past two years. And in the adaptation, uh, which was made in 2010, 
directed uh, by Masaki Wasa with Madhouse. Uh, each episode is one one instance of his attempt to have not wasted his past two years. He joins these different clubs, but he always meets uh, this character named Ozu, who is characterized as a demon or an or a, or a yokai, uh, and who basically is just like being around him makes your life worse. Um, and so we have this sequence where he keeps trying to have an idyllic campus life and to fall in love. And instead he falls in falls in with this asshole who ruins his life. And at the end of every episode, he's like, man, if only I'd picked a different club. Uh, and then things escalate from there after he's picked a half dozen clubs and ends up in quite a happy place. I feel like in terms of of how we think about the accidents of our life and um, whether our life would have been better without certain bad things happening to us. Um, I'm not usually a Yuasa fan, uh, even as someone who is in his own life, let alone in how he talks about media called pretentious a lot. Um, I find Yuasa pretentious. Um, I think that he usually goes for style over substance and often doesn't seem to want to be understood. But here, when the show went off the rails in the last two episodes, I actually found it a very warm way of explaining how the conceit of the show was going. Um, I love the performances. They have Maya Sakamoto's Akashi, his like faded love. Um, they even have Mamiko Noto, who's voicing a love doll owned by one of the one of the secondary <laughs> characters who Kaori is awesome. She's amazing. I love that every time someone's in the room with her, they're like, oh, I usually find love dolls disgusting, but she's so elegant. Her hair and her makeup are so good. And like everyone just instantly is like struck by this beautiful, this beautiful Dutch wife, as they call her. I don't know. I, I found it really entertaining and lively and I found it like self-evasing in a way that Yuasa very rarely is. Again, I said pretentious. Andy, I know you've loved this. You've loved this for years. I've avoided it because I heard it was like they talk too fast <laughs> and I should have known that that was that that was not going to be a problem for me because I'm a huge Sarno Zetsuba Sensei fan and a huge Monogatari fan. <laughs> And just a huge Shaft fan, yeah. so obviously I'm used to people. <laughs> and I also talk very fast, so yeah, no, yeah, I'm with my people here. <laughs> no, I, I've yes. I've loved I've loved this show uh, for ages, and I'm glad that you're watching it so we could talk about it again. Um, there's so the, the the Groundhog Day, like I I think that's a fair comment to be fair. Like the opening is this this uh, self introduction where he just goes through basically like oh I've wasted my years. And I try to pick something and this is beautifully animated scene of him mm -hmm. like in traditional Yuasa style, like being almost formless, running through like um, like a pavement of of flyers for things that he wants to do and like running into a clock, I think, at one point. Like it's all beautifully done, mm -hmm. all set in Kyoto as well, Kyoto University. Um, and then he picks one and then it's like that's the that's the whole of that episode or at least initially uh and <laughs> the way that that is so speedily done the first episode you can just be like totally blindsided and be like i i couldn't even follow the the subs like i'm just i can't i'm out like and i get that it's very very uh it's very disorientating and it's very confusing i think even for a japanese speaker like it's very hard to follow um but you then get the saving grace of they rewind time at the end of the first episode and then they do that whole scene again, like three or four times. So you then like catch it and you get into sort of the nuances. And uh, I, I really, really love the show. I, I adore the characterizations. I adore how um, Omu 
Um, it's interesting because Ozu, Ozu, sorry. Um, I find that yes. he's actually not an evil person. Like this is all from the perspective. Oh yeah, that's of... that's that's what he learns at the end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry. You, you, yeah, spoilers. Yeah, spoilers. But like, oh. <laughs> oh, we're Thanks. we're a spoiler. <laughs> we're very much a spoiler cast. I mean, you get Bang. you get that in in the second episode. <laughs> someone suggests someone suggests like I don't think you hate Ozu. I think you you're in love with Ozu. Mm. And the protagonist is just like that's ridiculous, which mm. obviously means yes, <laughs> yeah. he is kind of in love with um, his friend. And and yeah, and, and then like the 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 preceding cast. Like my favorite is always the fortune teller that he runs in every episode, and <laughs> the, the price. Uh, the first episode, it's like, oh, it's a thousand yen. And he's like, a thousand yen, that's fine. And then the second episode, he's like, two thousand yen. He's like, that's a bit more expensive from the last time <laughs> I talked to you. <laughs> like, all the, like, and then it just goes up by like a thousand yen every episode. Uh, every episode. Oh. So like at the very end, he's like, that's three figures. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, and the last, like the last episode especially, is, I people, so I didn't know this. So the, the 12th episode is actually a web series episode. Didn't air originally. It aired a lot later, much like what we're having with Wonder Egg. Oh, the, the the three OVAs, yeah, yeah. quote unquote. Um, and I really loved the the last episode. Is basically a, like, and you said an introspection of himself as a character in his lives. Uh, and it basically is is um, is done by him opening various doors in his apartment, realizing he can't get out, and then living this sort of like castaway Tom Cruise life where the only thing he survives is a Castella cake that is randomly given to him one day. And like, he goes to another room. He's like, Oh, the Castella cake's back. That's great. I can eat this at last for sustenance. Um, and I think that that was like a really beautiful, poignant way of, of ending this show, which like as a series is really hard to end because the, the whole narrative structure, it's not like he's trying to break the groundhog cycle. It's not like he's trying to get out. It's like, this is his life, but is it his life? Like, what, what is the things that really resolve around his happiness and his university life? And I, I found it beautiful. I found the ending really poignant and uh, hit home, but I think a lot of people were really upset by it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually not usually a time loop fan. Um, I like what, it, what they do with it here, where it's like not real. There's, the rules of the time loop aren't like, important and have to be heated they are more about how how there's all these different options in life and we focus on certain choices that we think are the meaningful choices um and in fact largely speaking our choices aren't that meaningful um how we feel about the outcome to our choices are meaningful and so having him trapped in this one room the room that he that he is explicitly trying to escape with all these different clubs that he's joining, and one in one um, arc he joins three clubs at once to try to maximize his chances of meeting a beautiful black-haired woman, as he says every time, uh, and having his rose-colored campus life. Uh, just realizing that, like, he's the problem. <laughs> that it's not it's not Ozu. It's not the club he chose. It's not that this world is corrupted which is what he definitely goes to at, at towards the end of it. It's just like, there's no good options because, because we live in a, a fallen world. It's the idea that like, he's kind of responsible for his own happiness. And I don't, it is very beautiful. It's very introspective. And it comes out very nostalgic in a way that I think that shows that are about college life often kind of get sappy because it's about people wanting to go back to college. Um, but this is more a celebration of who we become through the act of, 
maybe not going to college, but certainly like joining clubs, making friends, taking up hobbies or careers, going to events. And it's, it is beautiful. And he like, he gets everything and it feels earned because the whole show has just been about watching him just like eat shit over and over and over and just continually, he like gets stuck in like a, a multi-level marketing scheme and, and, <laughs> uh, yeah. and cult at one point. Who hasn't? He, yeah. He tries to run away with the love doll at one point. It's very, it's a very weird, weird show in terms of like the quote unquote bad things that happened to him over, over his, mm-hmm. these two years of college. Um, and it's beautifully animated. Uh, I love the, like the old fashioned ki- kind of almost like, I don't know, Taisho era comic figure look to it, how he starts incorporating more and more like uh, photographic yeah. media as the backgrounds, um, as like the cartoon nature of the world starts to fall apart. Like we're left with him as a cartoon character against like photo processed uh, real life images. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I loved it. I'm glad I finally got around to watching it. And like, I don't care that they talk fast. <laughs> I, I can I can read fast. My, my only slight gripe was that uh, is one character that the Johnny character, which is like a cowboy that is basically just his horniness as he's in the second arc. He's stuck in a room with, is it a female? It's been a while. Is it like a female doctor who uh, is kind of, he's a dental hygienist and she, lo- and she loves to lick men's faces when she becomes intoxicated. <laughs> okay. And he of course is very, he of course is very chaste and trying to like, preserve his his virginity for his perfect love mm-hmm. and so having having a having a uh, alumni from his college go out drinking with him and then like trap him in her room so that she can lick all over his face and he's like nice. and his poor little like his poor little like it's a one of those like pull string dolls but he's a cowboy and he's like let me out and he's like no johnny you can't. you've made me suffer for so long i haven't seen it but it... No, just hearing you guys talk about it and the way uh, you describe it, it's it's it seems really interesting uh, because the, the the topic seems to be um, you know the time travel, time loop, Groundhog's Day kind of stuff. And someone who hasn't seen it, uh, what what do you think I, I would take away from it at the end? Because I love uh, you know animes that have like that moment of you know catharsis at the end where it's like wow you know this kind of translates to something. Uh, that happened in my life or something that I can use as a coping mechanism uh, through my own experiences. So what do you think uh, this specific one would do for someone who hasn't seen it? Do you want to take this or should I end? No, you, you go, you go, babe. What I like the most about it, and this might be a bit more of a generic answer, but I, so you know when you had a really bad time and then like a year later, you're like, actually, that was one of the best, best years of my life. I'm not saying that the experience of watching Tatami Galaxy is the experience of having a really bad year, but like this whole idea that all this like messy, pointless drama actually like coheres into a story that kind of changed how you thought about yourself or about the people around you. I really do agree with Andy that the ending is just the ending is so good at like all these loose ends get tied together and the protagonist um, has this kind of like. It has a sort of nostalgia, a nostalgia for like when you didn't know as much about yourself and you were still figuring it out. It really captures Mm. the excitement of realizing who you are as a person, having a better understanding of what you like, what you want to do, who you want to be around and realizing that you're wrong, but not in a self-flagellating way, realizing that you're wrong insofar as you you didn't know things now you know more and like the world is richer for that your world is richer for it i think it's 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 actually a, a pretty 
a, a pretty good celebration of like what it means to like, <laughs> I don't know, to, to decide that you want certain things in life. Mm. Um, it's, yeah. it's very, it's very sweet and it doesn't really need the college framework, but the college framework works because it gives an excuse to like be in a million clubs. But I would say on top of that, like the, the moment to moment, um, it's a very funny show. Yes, so it's very so funny. That's true. <laughs> I'm just the intellectual nerd. So uh, it, it's very funny. Like it's, it's a, a, like a comedy of errors in a way. Like, you know, there's, uh, there's a, what is it? Like a flightless plane that is one of the clubs and you know he's he's there's this one woman who's like oh i've got to design it around me and then she turns out she's too heavy so you have to do it and so like, i don't know what the fuck i'm doing and he's like crashes into <laughs> a thing uh and like and then on top of that you've just got like the animation style if you know yuasa for many of his works you know he doesn't like to really maintain fluidity or a sort of a normal sort of guess body structure for a human uh, he's very happy to play around with form. He's very happy to play around with perspective, and also like media types. As the opening itself is like um, Asian Kung Fu Generation song, uh, very poppy, very punky, and then it's video uh, like a, a disposed video of him going, people going through doors, like sliding tatami doors into a room, then opening another door into another room, and every door that opens oh, yeah. is like a different. A different room entirely so it just feels like um which is a, a prelude to the last episode i guess spoilers, yeah, sorry. yeah. Um, in, but... li- living living in an infinite row house basically where every every door just leads you to an identical one well, nearly oh. identical room over and over again and oh. yeah i asian kung fu generation man that was a throwback i i think i have them <laughs> in my in my music library still i, I only know uh, them from the ruto and this so <laughs> same yeah. that's still a throwback yeah yeah um and and so so the moment to moment you're just getting like beautiful animation um and uh like a really funny like really i i found it really enjoyable like just just comedy just the comedy is really well done and it's really well set i think i've we've spoken before about comedy and anime like if comedy falls flat in anime it really fucking falls flat and everything <laughs> dies but this show doesn't really give you much of a a room to laugh you just are constantly amused by the stuff that's going on um and uh it's it's an absolute like roller coaster and then when you get to the ending song which is another like beautiful composition by i want to say etsuko uh but i don't think that's right i want to say because <laughs> i i always want to say it's etsuko uh because she's my favorite artist. No, no, no. It's 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 Etsuko Yakishimaru. So yeah, yeah you got it right. Yakishimaru. Yeah, I, I love her stuff, mm-hmm. but her but her ending sort of like chill vibe, like low fun. Have you heard of her stuff, Dan? Uh, I have not heard that much, unfortunately. But now that you mention it, I I'm probably check it out. <laughs> I want to see I want to see the anime itself because you guys are gushing over it. I'm like over here, like man, I'm missing out on what the hell. Yeah. I'm probably I'm probably overselling it. I I really like really intellectual stuff. I'm actually honestly surprised. I don't mean this is going to sound like a really brutal put down of my close friend uh, Andy. I thought that this show would be too intellectual for Andy to enjoy, and the fact that I <laughs> I enjoy it as someone who who wants to write a, a like a eighteen hundred word blog post about it, and Andy who can just say yeah it's, it's good mate. Like I think that's, that speaks <laughs> to it. <laughs> I, I mean, for context, my my two favorite shows of the twenty ten it was it was Tatami Galaxy and uh, Non Non Biori. <laughs> like, and Non Non Biori is basically 
kids do dumb things in the countryside. Like, there's no intellectual level <laughs> at all. It's so beautiful, though. So green. That, that so also... Beautiful. I mean, I'm not surprised that you like both shows because, like, Nanan Biori is also about, like, being stuck in this eternal, like, last year last year of grade school sort of thing. Like, it takes place over a year, and every season is just more things that happened in that same year. So you're just, like, kind of always stuck between summer break and summer break in all three seasons and that was gonna be a spin-off season yeah wow oh geez yeah it's it's Fore- good. forever I, forever caught in summer <laughs> i hope i hope that uh i hope that encourages you to to, <laughs> to watch it man um yeah well well speaking speaking of of uh i'm so sorry andy speaking of intellectual shows that i d- don't think andy would like uh <laughs> You've been watching, uh, you said you've been watching Ergo Proxy Van <laughs> during the break. Yeah, yeah. Ergo <laughs> Proxy, you know, I, I love anything post-apocalyptic, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it just hits so close to home. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, a lot of these themes... <laughs> what is it about? Yeah. I actually don't know what Ergo Proxy is about. It's very Blade Runner, basically. <laughs> Mm-hmm. There's a virus where, yeah, no, sure. Uh, everyone's living in these domed cities, and there's currently an outbreak of this thing called the Kakito virus that is making the androids that are everywhere um, start to uh, start to show consciousness. And so the main character is part of a unit that's theoretically in charge of uh, of tracking down these androids. She doesn't do much of that in in the show. She more has conversations about the nature of being and consciousness. Um, and there's also mm-hmm. these creatures called uh, proxies that seem to be superhuman and there are hidden forces trying to capture or exploit them. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. And so they it's a lot happens. Like if I go too far into like what actually happens, I'll just start dropping spoilers and I don't want to do that to our guest. Uh, but yeah, it's, it gets convoluted. Yes. Uh, very convoluted at a certain point. Really complex. A lot of people don't like it because it's it's you know at times it can be a little much like uh with the uh philosophy yeah. and the uh kind of really introspective topics and it relates to you know it, it gives you that like uh cyberpunk kind of um ghost and shell kind of yeah. heady topics and uh I, I i dig that kind of stuff even though sometimes uh you know it moves a little quickly and you know they do speak a little bit uh fast um, but uh, it's, it's a good show. I really enjoy it. And I, I love the main character, uh, you know, uh, the main protagonist, uh, you know, uh, real, real, real mayor. Um, she's a beautiful 2D, 2D animation. And, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I mean, I can't say enough, uh, good stuff about the animation style. Um, it has that really early, uh, well, I mean, it's 2006, I think I, I forgot what yes. year it was made, but it definitely, uh, you definitely get that 2006 vibe. I think it was one of the first anime to be broadcast in HD. Uh, also to be animated oh, wow. and broadcast in HD. I remember because when it was coming out, everyone's like, oh, it's too dark. And people are like, no, that's the cool thing about HD. You can make it really dark. <laughs> it's just like, uh-huh. okay. <laughs> Being on the internet in 2006 was weird. Listen to me, children. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Gather around. <laughs> yes, but no, um, I think it's, I, yeah, it's, it's very, it's very different. It's, it's very like, kind of like, solemn and grim like there's a very rococo mm-hmm. style to like the architecture the, yeah. the city is run by robots who are embodied as like reclining male statues in like a kind of renaissance mm-hmm. style it's very strange but also very yeah. interesting and different and it's got a weird vibe to it and riel yeah. is super hot uh so 
Can't totally, lie. Totally, you know. She, she doesn't, I, I, she's evanescent sometimes. Yeah, she's yeah. Evanescent. So, I mean, that was the ideal, like, uh, Western female, like, uh, archetype back in 2006. That like, emo kind of, mm-hmm. uh, lightly emo, um, really pale, but uh, same time kind of uh, Egyptian looking. I don't know. There's a, a really strange aesthetic in 2006. She has the, like, long eyeshadow, like, cat eye mm. eyeshadow that's right. really, like, yeah. Yeah, I feel like that was a reference to, like, an Egyptian goddess kind of thing. Like, there's so many references in the anime. Yeah. And that's what I, I really love about, uh, uh, well, whenever I look for an anime, I, I look for, uh, you know, things that reference things that I that I know. I, don't, I mean, I, I know a lot of people like stuff that they don't, like, uh, immediately pick up on, but I enjoy things that I can pick up on right away. Uh, and so with this anime, you know, I started picking up a lot of the uh, philosophical undertones right away. Like, a lot of the, the young, uh, Carl Jung kind of stuff that yeah. they were kind of... Uh, trying to elaborate on and uh, I, I really dig that kind of stuff I really do and that's what I look for in my anime no it's a very it's very rich show in terms of what it's like presenting and it's really trying to be different I think it's notable for also having English language OP and ED they have paranoid android as their ED which is yeah. <laughs> paranoid android yes yeah. radiohead is their is their ED band so mm-hmm. yeah wow yeah really it, cool. it was a different time I mean it, it feels like an anime that is of a different time. You don't really get that sort of deep introspective anime coming out anymore. Yeah. And people, right. I mean, at the time, people blasted for being boring. I don't know. How, how many episodes are you into it, Van? Oh, I'm on like uh, maybe 10 episodes. I'm okay. fresh to it, but it's still really... They, they go on a trip in the, in the mid-teens and everyone was just like, stop watching it then. I think it's worth watching it. They get like, they go on a game show. It's very <laughs> weird. It, go, it, goes, it goes places. <laughs> it has late season cyberpunk anime itis so don't worry it'll, it'll, it'll entertain you all right I, i'm already in i'm like uh, i'm on the ride already i'm not getting off you've met the cute bunny girl you've met yeah you've met all the there's a little there's a tiny baby robot that like that gets kicked out like uh ai style like her family doesn't want her anymore and she wears these like adorable bunny pajamas uh good stuff cute making me nostalgic yeah, it's, it's cute mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and it's uh it's uh it's directed by Shuko Murase, who isn't really known for much in particular. He directed Gangsta, um, and he did like a lot of key animation on Samurai Champloo and stuff. And before that he was a character and animation mm-hmm. designer. But the the writer um is the guy who wrote uh, a bunch of scripts for Cowboy Bebop, Ghost in the Shell, Wolf's Reign, Sa- Samurai Champloo. Makes sense. Uh, yeah, Daichi Saito, uh, Dai Saito, so not Daichi, Dai Saito. Yeah, no, he he was a writer at Sunrise, and so he he, but he's like everything we've talked about previously about Samurai Champloo, uh, Cowboy Bebop, Ghost in the Shell. Like, yeah, he 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 got started writing those scripts for those episodes, and then moved into doing his own stuff. Um, nice. And it's yeah, it's it's he's an interesting guy. I don't think he's done anything I actually like. Oh, he wrote he wrote one of the scripts for the the new Ghost in the Shell. Uh, SAC 2045, oh, the naked back flipping one, <laughs> but he didn't, he didn't write that one. Nice. Well, cool. I hope you keep enjoying it. I, I have very fond memories of it. It is, it is different. Like it's, it's slower and it's darker both visually and tonally than I think a lot of stuff mm. would be comfortable being yeah. these days. Uh, I really love that mood. I think that's a mood that, you know, like a, there's not very much like that nowadays. I think uh, a lot of people avoid those kinds of, uh, aesthetics uh but i do i still think it's amazing i hope they they do come come up with new stuff like that because uh you know uh, a lot of anime recently is just um i mean i know it's 
uh, heresy to say, but it's just lacking in depth. Well, it's it's a less it's a less risk tolerant market, I think, and so there's a lot a lot of people playing it a lot a lot safer. <laughs> safer. Yeah. Look at Wonder Egg Priority. This like two seasons ago, like that got put on blast for addressing you know, suicide, teenage suicide, for talking about suicide. Yeah. Just like oh, we shouldn't mm. talk about how people commit suicide, and it's like, I mean, I'm not gonna like pop it on while we're at a party be like hey check out this anime where girl where girls go into the into the dreams of girls who just committed suicide and try to convince them that that everything's okay like no but but it is it is like it's fun to like have a think and i'm the same as i'm i don't want to presume but like i feel like i'm the same as you i like like reference dense stuff i like feeling my brain get fed by that i like the the dopamine Mm. response of like I get that yeah, reference, yeah. and not in like a Family Guy way, but I'm like, oh, this is this, per- <laughs> this person. Yeah, I don't like reference humor, but like this person has consumed the same materials I have, and this is what they oh. got out of it versus what I've gotten out of it. It's it's a fun experience. Speaking of of deep, uh, meaningful uh, anime, I <laughs> I watched uh, the Demon Slayer movie, uh, Mugen Train. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's heard of it. It made a bit of a splash. Um, <laughs> sometime last year in Japan. Okay, some people who don't listen to our podcast don't don't follow the anime industry. So we have we have to explain like this is the most successful anime movie ever. Yeah, so. and it was so successful that not only is it still playing in my local cinema, um, I actually saw it in the IMAX, sure. and I was like, "The fuck am I going to be able to watch oh. an anime in the IMAX?" So obviously went to the IMAX was was ten minutes late. Because that's me, uh, and, and missed the opening, don't know what... So you couldn't follow the plot at all, is what you're saying? You, you just had no idea what was going on. Well, yeah, I mean, it's okay, because uh, the Google synopsis is absolutely spot on. And uh, I'll read it to you now, because um. it's a particular favourite of mine. A boy raised by boars who wears a boar's head, and another boy who reveals his true power when he sleeps, board the Infinity Train <laughs> on a new mission with the Flame Pillar. Their mission is to defeat a demon who has been tormenting people and killing the demon slayers who oppose it. Uh, which, mm, if you know yeah. anything about the series, it, it's just completely mi- like missed out the main two characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a vampire girl with a scroll in her mouth, right? Uh, a bamboo pole, and there's a coward guy. Right. Uh, yeah, that's the that's the guy who sleeps. Oh, and then what is it? Uh, the, the boy who mm. reveals his true power when he sleeps. I see. Uh, and then the boy. The boar, the boar, the boy raised by boars who wears a boar's head, is another is an actual other character. But so yeah, so um, this directly uh, goes on, uh, continues from the end of the first season of Demon Slayer, uh, which was a very popular anime, very popular shonen manga, um, and uh, it's about a guy called uh, Tatsuro who um, has had his whole family killed by vampires. Uh, and then his sister Nezuko also gets turned in, survives, and gets turned into a vampire too. Um, so he tries to uh, fight his O's to fight and kill uh, the sort of the mob gang of vamp- vampires that are in or demons that are in this world. That's the basic story. Um, Nezuko also, as she is a vampire demon thing, she can't be out in the day, so she lives in a box that is. Um, <laughs> that he carries around i see um so i would say like so where this starts off at the end of the anime it's like guys there's a demon on a train and then they about board <laughs> the train and then this season 
they go on the train. Uh, and um, <laughs> I, I would say that overall, I really love this movie, obviously. Like, if you're a fan of Demon Slayer, you're going to like this movie. Um, mm. I would say that even maybe if you're not so unfair with Demon Slayer and you're just like, this movie's massive, I wonder why. Like, you could probably still piece it together. There's still, there's not much explaining of the lore before they go on. Like, the movie continues. It's very much like, bam, no explanation, just going to go in. Almost like they didn't expect this to fucking blow up the way it did. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, mm. And it was just going to be like a... Yeah, movie spin-off cash-in, yeah. Yeah, movie spin-off cash-in. Mm. And um, the, 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 main, the main sort of thing it revolves around is, is Tanjiro, Nezuko, uh, Zenitsu, and Inosuke. Um, they exist this guy called uh, uh, Kyojuro uh, Rengoku, who is really the main sort of um, character in the show. Because previously in the recent seasons, last seasons, he was only briefly mentioned and shown. And this is him trying, like, you actually see him and he's like, I'll be a mentor for you guys. Uh, and then, I mean, I'm going to ruin it. So if you're a big fan of the series, like... Just skip ahead 30 seconds. <laughs> uh, he Thank dies you. in the end. Uh, and it's a very heart-wrenching <laughs> scene. And uh, it was overall, like, a really good film the action scenes were on point the uh the music was fucking popping and banging all the right places um the and, and you know mm. the the heartfelt bits made me cry the the bits where he goes into a dream and he has to kill himself over and over again is really hard to watch and it's just all over well done um i would say my only my only big problems are like the 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 guy who dies at the end I wish there was more of him. Like he was such he's such a great character. That's every spin-off movie though. Like the character who gets introduced in the movie dies at the end of the movie. Like that's No, but this this is this is like he's in the manga. Like this is actually canon. This is actually okay. if you want to watch season 2 that's coming out, you have to watch this movie. Like it's, it's season 1, this uh. movie, then the next season. Uh it it's canon. So like hmm. hash, like Kyojuro dying at the end is part of the story, but it's just the the main problem with at the Demon Slayer as a whole that it will introduce a character that you love and then it will, you will just die by the end. And it's very hard to sort of uh, really feel like you're going to get on board with a character because you're just worried that he's going to die. Uh, and you don't see enough of him, which is a shame because the way that he looks, he looks fucking cool. He's got this beautiful like artwork. He's got these crazy like flaming red eyes where he's just not looking at anyone. Um, it's mm. fun and it's just a shame that he dies. And then the other big problem I felt to me was it's like, it is a movie with a production of the anime. Granted, UFO Tables uh, anime series looks beautiful and it's already really fucking high quality. So it's not like going in and expecting garbage, you know, cells or transitions. It, it's beautifully done, but it's like, I know that this, like I, this could be a, could have done better. They They could have animated this better. They could have put, less cg in which you know i've got no problem with but there are parts where like the whole train is subdu like immersed by um immerses himself with the train and demon very juice much yeah feels, i get it yeah and and it very much feels like like the flesh comes out the wall in very lazy cg fashion mm. and a part of me was just like you could have put some animation in there you could have upped the animation you know like <laughs> And then there's also some bits where, you know, he's just a head on a stalk and it's like this CG stalk. And I get why they do it because it's cheap and it's easy to do as opposed to sort of hand animating all these like 
really complex movements. But on the other hand, it's like, come on, it's a movie. You're, you're, you're doing this. It's one and done in a hundred minutes. But on the, yeah, on the other hand, <laughs> but on the other hand, yeah, there's this mm. movie made 32.5 billion yen in 73 days. Yeah. So. It destroyed, it destroyed the 19 year record of, of Spirited Away in 73 days. It's the first film ever in Japanese cinema to gross 40 billion yen. So yeah, it's like, Whoa. why do you think I this, this hit off? That. Yeah, I know. I was, I, I, my phone has given up like treating me like a real person. They're like, you're an anime nerd. Here's just some <laughs> random anime news. You want, you want CBR and like comicbook.com news all with the time in your like Google news feed. Here you go. You disgusting weeb. <laughs> disgusting otaku but uh, you, you, we <laughs> take this anime news and like yeah it. come on yeah you probably you probably care that this film made the most money in japanese history you disgusting weeb uh, so i know all this why do you think this was such a breakout andy because it sounds like they didn't expect it i'm surprised it's, it's plugged so closely into the continuity because usually movies are really afraid of anime spinoff movies are really afraid of the exact situation that you had to, where you had to go into the movie and then look up what was happening on your phone so that you know, so that you know what's yeah. going on. They're terrified of that. Um, mm. That's why recap movies became a thing, so that you could go to a double feature of the recap movie mm -hmm. and then the movie movie. Um, why do you think this was such a piss smash success? But, you said the fights uh -huh. are good. You said the animation was all right. So. It, it's interesting. I've, I've been thinking this. I'm not quite sure. I mean, Demon Slayer as the manga... Uh, what has been a bestseller even before the anime came out like it uh it is as far as the manga goes it is also famous for being the only manga who's managed to topple one piece sales uh which is a big thing because just like uh spirited away has been the giant megalith of the anime uh movie world uh one piece as everyone i presume know is is that for manga like it's pretty much just been Top seller, top seller, top seller for years now, uh, and I th I think that like <clears throat> in Japan the fact that Demon Slayer actually managed to beat that sale and not just like once every now and then because you know Attack on Titan would do that every, you know occasionally when a new volume came out but like the the overall yearly sales it beat One Piece which is a big thing um, and it's been doing that for a couple of years until it ended its serialization last year uh, and. I think so. It's, mm -hmm. it's partly like big popular manga. Um, the movie was the the anime was well received, uh, and then on t on top of that, like um, I, I think it was a perfect storm of the movies. Of movies of in at the time in Japan, the cinemas were opening. Um, what is there to watch? Well, nothing's been made um, unless you wanted to watch Tenet, um, <laughs> and I think that Japanese. People are maybe slightly more insanely nationalist than they'd accept, like to accept that they are. Um, and so they're like, well, we'll watch a Japanese show made by a Japanese company. And the only thing that was out there was Demon Slayer. Mm -hmm. And they knew the manga. And then on top of that, like, as far as a film goes, you can, it's not like going in fresh, you don't know what's going to happen. There's still a, there's still an emotional through mm -hmm. line. With a lot of the characters, like Tanjiro revisits his past and you get the, uh, and even if you've not watched it and you're like, well, what the fuck is that with his family? You, you work true. out what's happened. Like he, yeah. the, the whole point of his dream sequences is that they go in and, and they view his favorite life. So that there's, and, and this favorite life is his time with his parents and family. And it's this really heartfelt scene where 
he's just doing the motions with his family. He, he's, you know, cutting wood. He's making food. He's, uh, he's like, you know, capturing and killing, killing animals and, and feeding his family. Uh, all without Nezuko, who's his like youngest sister, and like he's like, where's that? And then the, the penny drops. Like, oh, I'm in a dream. I'm dreaming. I need to get out the dream. Uh, and the only way to get out is by killing myself. Like that was really heartfelt. So you get the whole, mm. at least for the main character, you get his whole arc nicely in the film. Anyway, uh, on top of that, you have a really nice, mm-hmm. um, like, bigger plot with some very some fun demons who die and and do some fun shonen anime stuff and then uh you know you get the the this plain flame pillar guy uh his whole arc begins and ends in this <laughs> film so you get a couple of arcs that are really emotionally hitting and you can latch on to even if you don't latch on to the overarching story or narrative of the show um and i also just mm. feel that then you know that came people watched it they're like i don't understand so they went back, read the manga, and then probably went to go see it again because they're like, oh, I understand these things now. I can go see it again. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. And I, that, that to me is what I, I feel is the big thing. And then on top of that, the fact that it's a very like Japanese show and it's set in Edo, Edo period Japan where everyone's like, it's like the, the weird sort of cultural revolution where there's trains, but everyone's still wearing yukatas and looking like, and with katanas and looking yeah. like really cool with, you know, traditional Japanese attire. I think that romance era, like, really appeals to people still. Um, and it's not like yeah. super sci-fi. Oh, yeah. It's something that they can understand and enjoy. And yeah, I think it's like that. And also, and also, Japanese people like trains. They do too. love trains. Like, they love a train. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they love and the so trains. Yeah. I, I think it's that like a train. <laughs> exactly. It, it's that perfect storm of all of these tiny factors coming to make one big factor and then there being literally nothing else in the cinema. <laughs> that means that uh, everyone started <laughs> watching it and grabbed onto it. Um, and, you know, even mm. Galleon, I know I said previously, like, I don't think this movie is going to make it. It's not done as good as Demon Slayer, obviously, but it's beaten its own records and it's done really well. So... You think it works as a standalone? Uh, yeah, I think it does work as... Yeah, I think it does work as a standalone. Um I think that it will be one of those frustrating things where even as a standalone, there are some, some things left, uh, mysteries that is built on, like he fights a demon and then it runs away or something. And like that, that in itself is leaving story open-ended. Um, but yeah, I think it definitely works as a standalone for at least one character's ultimate arc. You can enjoy that. Nice. Cool. I don't think I'll ever watch it because I, I would feel I would feel com- I would feel compelled. Yeah, I'm gonna take take the the air out of this balloon. I mean, I I I, I would feel compelled to watch the sh- to watch the show first. I think it's cool that as many people didn't that or that you just like get into a show by watching a movie and then being like this movie is pretty good. I should watch. I should like read the manga or watch yeah. the TV show to figure out if it's even better than I thought it was. Um, but like, it's amazing that that like that. I mean, 40, 40 billion a yen is like 30 million tickets, uh, 30 million ticket sales. So that's like, even if that's repeat people, it's still a wild number of people. I, I, yeah. I, I mean, and you've also got to realize that it's a Shonen Jump show. So, you know, the, the kids yeah. will want to see it and the parents will have to take them. So that's on, like for one person going <laughs> to see it, that's an extra two tickets. 
And then they'll have to sit there and watch it and be like, okay, oh, okay this is quite good. <laughs> <laughs> the adventure time effect, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, precisely. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, all in all, go watch the Steam show. <laughs> there you have it from Andy. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on the platform of your choice. Find us on Twitter at KeyframesPod. Find us on Facebook. Search for Keyframes Podcast. Uh, email us questions. KeyframesPodcast at gmail.com. I want to give a special shout out and thank you to Benjamin Canelos for writing us an extremely nice email. We always appreciate hearing from y'all, even if you say that we suck um, or that we talked over Van or that we talked over Van too much, because I, I know I did. Uh, so, so, yeah, um, <laughs> I, I enjoy that. Well, good, good. Well, then maybe we haven't scared you away forever. Uh, OK, well, tune in next week as we talk about the end of the spring 2021 season. Good luck. Yes. A big thank you to Van for coming on. Um, it's a pleasure talking to you, dude. I, I couldn't have been happier. This is a great experience. Thank you. <laughs> I had a great time. I had it so, so much fun and I really appreciate it. It means a lot to me. Yes. Yes. I, I hope, I hope Ergo Proxy pays off for you. I'll let you know how it goes. I'll let you know how I feel at the end, you know? Cool. Yeah. Cool relatable stuff, you know? By, by all means, let us know. And of course, Tell a friend that we now have famous people on our podcast. <laughs> but don't just right. tell any friend. Um, tell oh, your Jesus. friend who interrupts your host, your, your star, <laughs> your star guest <laughs> all the time. <laughs> tell your friend who was in a club with you in college and kept pranking you so bad that you never got to get with that girl you liked. Um, <laughs> but then you just just restarted the timeline um to get another right. try your, and then you found our podcast tell your friend who who links you uh maria takeuchi's plastic love and was like have you heard this song it's pretty good <laughs> i like that if you just search for city pop on most platforms it's just like you mean plastic love right you probably got it wrong <laughs> like did you mean uh, well, plastic love really again <laughs> That's just all. Hey, it's just city pop yeah, is just like just... looping plastic love, <laughs> crossfade, crossfade plastic love into plastic love. The entirety of it. I picked up. I picked up. I don't know whether you picked up this band, the the tenth anniversary of CD release of Variety, which has plastic love in, and the last four epi- chat tracks are just yep. plastic love, redone by different people. And... <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's the thing now yeah that's a, that's a huge thing that's like the eva soundtrack where we're like the last seven tracks yeah <laughs> the last seven tracks are like fly me to the moon just like sung by megumi hashibara like seven different ways <laughs> do you want it with a samba beat yeah. you want it bossa nova. who knows <laughs> but yeah, yeah bossa nova yeah. they love cover uh, they love doing covers in japan they do covers of everything it's yeah crazy. yeah Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, it's a good way to sell the same tongue t- song twice. So I don't blame them. Exactly. If you ever, right. I wouldn't advise you do this, Van. But if you ever get into uh, Idol Master, that's <laughs> definitely how they make their money. They're just like, oh, you want you want this song? Yeah, well, you can get it like ten different ways depending on what voice actor singing it, <laughs> or you can individually <laughs> buy the single which has all of them doing it, and you're like, okay, I'm. I'm buy any of these <laughs> can you buy like an a la carte with like with like three of the three of the six singers you like you just get rid of the ones that are trash like nico nico no, that's not that's not idol master you know, you know what you, you know what you can do um which is really fucking cool on on the new game for some of the songs 
if you if you select your center idols to be not the position that the idols are in then they change the singing of the the oh wow yeah and some of them are like mm. different like even different words like there's one comedy bit where he's like just talking about how he doesn't want to do anything and then you change it with hanayo or someone and then it it just gives you this like whole bit about how she's too full to eat sweets but she really just wants to eat more cookies and yeah they and then and then they play different <laughs> they sing their different like uh roles it's pretty intense and you're just like okay that's cool <laughs> I, I don't know why they did this but i love that they have <laughs> i mean i think that's that's good fan service and not into like panty yeah, shots or yeah. or like boob bounce ends. it's just like hey you like these actors these uh, actresses and singers here's them and like Every possible configuration you could possibly want. You will get your preferred anime cover. That is so Japanese. <laughs> Isn't it? Isn't it? I love it. All right. Well, say goodbye, everybody. And thanks again, Van. Uh, thank you guys so much. It's been an absolute honor. And, uh, you know, I hope to, you know, one day uh, let's do this again because you guys are so cool. Uh, it's, I've been laughing nonstop. And thank you so much. Sure. You have an open invitation. Anytime you've watched something. Hey, it's your main hype beast, Andy here, sitting in the editing studio, uh, and I'd just like to quickly pop in at the end to say uh, thanks again for Van Palgum for coming on. Um, if you want to find him online, um, you can follow him on Twitter, at Van Palgum, or you can check out Taku's City Pop Discord server, where you can also find links to his live stream. Uh, both of those will be in the show notes. Thanks again for Van to be such a wonderful and humble guest. Uh, we're truly appreciative of his time and being such an awesome dude. Okay, I'm going to fuck off now. But before I go, enjoy this little dumb outro. Bye. Mysterious The Google... Um, the Google... <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the Google. Google. Google.